Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. Hello, everyone. Another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I'm your host, Carter Hockman, and joining me this week is former UMass Lowell women's goalkeeper, Julia Schneider. Thanks for coming on, Julia. Thanks. Absolutely. So the first question that I ask everyone here is, is what made you want to become a goalkeeper? When did it all start for you? So ironically and really funny, um, it started pretty stereotypically. I was like a really chubby little girl um, playing every sport, you know, and this is like probably like eight, nine, ten. So we're at the age where everyone's just, you know, hitting balls off tees and chasing the soccer ball. Um, And eventually, like I got my rotation and goal and I was significantly better, I guess, than most of the goalkeepers. Um, so it just kind of stuck. It was like the chubby girl that put, got put in net and, and never left. I was going to say in your notes that you sent to me, and I wanted to elaborate that these were your words. You described yourself as chubby and fearless, which, which helped you do much better than anyone else at that age. Right. It it took me, um, a long time before I had any real goalkeeper training up until I was about 15 to be exact. Uh, there was a point for you where you went to your first goalkeeping camp where you first actually started to train with the boys for the first week before being moved to the advanced girls group. How old were you then and what was that like for you mentally? Yeah, so just a little like background to answer this question. So I had played for like local clubs um, at this point in my life, like we're talking like you 11, 12 and 13. So this is like right before high school. Um, and just so you know, the local ones like nothing big, your normal tournaments and stuff like that. Um, And I had had a couple of goalkeeper trainers there, one of which was a college goalkeeper herself. um, And she just kind of blasted the ball at me, but I really liked it. Like, it was cool. Um, We did a lot of fitness at that point. God bless my dad. (laughs) He was like, oh, hey, like, if you want to be, you know, really good at soccer, you have to be fit. So he pretty much called me out on being fat. So (laughs) shout out to my dad. Um, So I ended up working on my fitness and stuff. And I eventually convinced my parents to let me go to soccer plus goalkeeping camp, um, which was a two-week program. And um, it was a stay-over camp and everything. And I was so excited. But I didn't have a club team that, like, could back me up, essentially, um, to put me in the advanced girls group. So I couldn't sign up for the advanced girls group. So I signed up for the normal um, girls group. And I think day one, they were like, okay, you definitely don't belong here. Like, it was, like, just not my pace. Um, but they still, for whatever reason, were a little hesitant to put me in advanced girls. So they had me train with the boys. Um, and it made me work way harder. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. I, I could – say that I pretty much matched them from my memory maybe I just want to think that <laughs> um and we'll go with that it works um they moved me up with like my own age group in advanced girls and for me like it was so fun um goalkeepers don't get as much attention I think especially when they're young um with training for goalkeeping specifically so I just had a blast and that really set everything going for me like that's when I knew I wouldn't go back and um just wanted to keep getting better. It's true. Like, I think a lot of parents that are coaching or, or getting their kids involved and in, in not just goalkeeping, but soccer, forget that half of it is maybe even more half than half of it, especially developing is supposed to be fun. Right. 
And so when you finally landed the club, you, you, you and I had very different club soccer experiences. I didn't play club soccer until my junior year of high school, but you were already bouncing around at this point, you know, post soccer plus before your freshman year of college. Can you talk to me a little bit about the importance of club soccer for young goalkeeper development and how it helped you get to the next step, which in this case was, was high school? Yeah. So specifically for me, um, and I think probably in general, um, it's the goalkeeping coach, like clubs tend to have goalkeeper coaches. Um, whereas I don't know my high school coach, I, my high school definitely didn't have one. I don't know about other people. I'm not familiar with their experiences. Um, and, uh, the club team that I ended up playing for when I joined my freshman year um, had probably one of the best goalkeeper coaches I've to date ever met. Um, he was great. He ended up being like my biggest mentor growing up. Um, so I think it was extremely important because it really introduced me to like the ins and outs of position. It was less now that I was just less and more that I was training technically as a goalkeeper. And that's really also that's also really an important point, because once you can find I mean, finding good coaches is great. But if you can find a coach that not only is going to be able to mentor you, but that you can stick with over the years, because it's 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 crucial almost because you and I both know that we're going to hear a thousand different ways uh, that we should be doing it. Um, there's different training methods. Every goalkeeper coach and every head coach is going to be telling you that this is the right technique. This is how you should be distributing. This is how you should be communicating. And only maybe two or three of those, it's going to be the same, but it's all going to be their own version of it. And if you can find that, that one coach that, that is not only giving you good training, but is giving, you can stay consistent with, I think that's key to development. Yeah, it was definitely so helpful. Um, and he was pretty tough, which also really helped me when it came to college because college and high school and club are like just so different. Um, so it helped me mentally in that aspect because um, I had had tough coaches in the past. Well, ultimately, you landed FC Stars. And for those who were listening who don't know, FC Stars was and, and still is highly regarded as one of the best girls club teams in the country for a young girl just joining that club that can be intimidating especially as a goalkeeper and can certainly have an effect on your confidence which is a massive part of the position what was that like for you initially and how did you work through that yeah so I ended up getting um the goalkeeper coach from stars ended up seeing me somewhere and um I think he sent my dad an email or something and he was like, Hey, I would love to like work with Julia. Like let's um, get together, whatever. We got together once and I was like obsessed, but this was a pretty big commitment for my family at the time. Um, I had been playing ODP. So they had been doing the once or twice a week to Lancaster thing, um, which was like a solid hour and 15 minutes from where I grew up. Um, And it was all in Lancaster, all of our trainings, and everything. So it was a huge commitment for my family. Um, but they were really supportive. I'm blessed that they've always been super supportive of everything I did in soccer. Um, and then, yeah, it was tough because, you know, women's soccer in general was really popping off at this time. This is when like Abby Wambach and Hope Solo and um, Morgan were like crazy you know and this is when the ECNL started which is like the top women's league in the country at the time for club I'm not sure if it still is because I know they have academy for women's now I think um, it's the second tier now 
it is a second tier. But at the time, it was the newest, like, my actually director of the club helped, like, found it. So I was, I didn't feel like I belonged for, I think, a while at Stars, um, especially in the goalkeeper role. I felt kind of timid, and I, like, I hadn't stepped into myself yet. So it was, it was tough at first. It's definitely tough to step into that role at such a young age, you know, at such an elite club. But that next step for you, confidence-wise, helped you get there. You get to high school and make varsity right away as a freshman. You start the first few games, or, or you start the first few games on the bench, but end up beating out the upperclassmen who had been there before you. What was the team dynamic like after that? Because I'm assuming it raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, so high school was interesting just because um, FC Stars was like a very technical team like they were trying to teach you like true soccer like European soccer (laughs) and high school soccer is kind of up to whoever's the coach and my high school coach was a great guy he was also our men's basketball coach um but he definitely did not coach technical soccer so um balancing the two was very interesting (laughs) and I think I don't think my coach in high school ever had the intentions of starting me um, as a freshman, I think that he's very into hard work in the latter. So it was definitely very interesting. I, I can't remember like correctly, but I think she might've gone on to quit the other goalkeeper. Um, and I, it was good for <laughs> the girls that I was friends with, but I think some of the upperclassmen weren't as excited <laughs> as I was, um, to say the least, but no, I, I can't imagine they were actually, but um, it's, and it's interesting that you bring up, you know, the technicality of, of club soccer versus just what I would call the, just the go, go, go version of, of high school soccer. And I think you could actually argue that you see a little bit of that in college soccer in America. You see a lot of programs that will just be long balls over the top and go and chase it. And you'll have programs like UMass Lowell that are, that are, you know, make 50 passes with your center backs before you send it down the channel. Um, but back to high school, you started your entire high school career after that you were a Catholic central goalkeeper of the year and your senior year, you were the Boston globe division three player of the year, which is even more incredible because you and I both know that what it takes to gain that kind of recognition over those, those losers that who score all the goals. Um, but (laughs) talk to me about your recruiting process because you and I've talked before and you, you described to me it. You described it to me as interesting. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, like I was telling you earlier, struggled with my confidence in goal, um, specifically at Stars. Um, I just, those girls have been playing together forever. We were now walking into this new, brand new, like, league that was supposed to be the best of the best. And I just always felt like I had to prove myself, like, every practice, like, every game everything and high school for me was the exact opposite I would walk on the field and like I would excel there so I think it was important to have the balance I think that helped me find my confidence in stars but it was also interesting because when I look back on it and I was like looking up some stuff for you know this podcast I don't remember high school all that much which I think is like kind of interesting um because I was so into trying to be better at stars and trying to hit this level of like consistency and respect for my teammates that like, I knew I was excelling there and it's almost like I didn't 
give too much thought or effort to not effort because I always work really hard but like thought to it in my brain it was like I showed up and I love to play and I did it but at stars it was like I showed up and I love to play but I'm nervous and I know I'm nervous and I'm trying to get out of my head so that took up a lot more space in my memory um I do remember a lot of my senior year though um for high school we went to South sectional like finals and it was really great experience I got to play with my twin sister at the time who also had a lot of success in high school um but recruiting specifically uh I didn't do any recruiting from my high school career I never had a college coach come you know to a high school game it was all from club and being that my confidence was low I didn't really email any coaches I was like too nervous at the time I was like I don't even know if my teammates think I'm good like how am I even gonna ask a college coach a division one college coach good um so I was kind of slow on the on the start of that eventually um a lot of college coaches would come to the ECNL games specifically the ones in Florida and California and Seattle like all of our nationals um so eventually I um garnered some attention from a couple of different division one schools I had a couple of schools uh out south that wanted me to commit as like a 15 year old I was like could not make a decision for my life so I like turned them all down <laughs> um and then when I was a junior I ended up getting stuck between two schools an Ivy League um and an ACC school and I could not make my mind up for the life of me I just like couldn't figure it out like I knew I wanted to study science both schools had good science programs um but I just like could not decide like I had offers out like much longer than they were ever intended <laughs> to be out um and I even had schools like up my scholarship like what like what are we waiting for here and I was just like I don't know I couldn't get like anything to speak to me I guess um and eventually my twin sister had committed to UMass Lowell in the meantime and I had seen the difference in in the cost of college for, you know, non-athletic scholarship Ivy and UMass Lowell. And I kind of panicked and was like, none of these schools are calling, like calling to me. And I'm going to be with scholarships, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt still. Um, so I ended up just taking a leap of faith and visiting Lowell. Um, and I liked, I liked what I heard. I liked the plan that I had set out for my future, for a career. And I just decided to go with that. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a really important part of choosing a college. And, and I've talked about it with other people before, but you can, you can love the soccer and you can love the program and you can, you can love the fact that it's, you know, it's an ACC school, it's an Ivy League school, and it's a, or I like to call them brand name schools, you know. And, exactly, yeah. But, you know, if you don't love everything about the school, I mean, you're spending, sure, you're spending a lot of the time with your team, and you're spending a lot of time in practice and, and training, but the rest of that time, you're going to school, and you're living there, and you're living there for four years, nonetheless, so you need to love everything about it. Exactly, yeah. Not that, um, the Ivy League, it was just tough because, like, you know, they don't give athletic scholarships. Um, and my grades were good enough to get into an Ivy League, but definitely not good enough to receive money from an Ivy League for academic. Um, so that one kind of, like, worked itself out just in terms of money. And then the ACC school, the coaches there, kind of just at the time, the way it was presented to me um, was very, like you would be so lucky to be here. We would be so good for you. Um, 
it was like very intimidating and then Lowell it was like the opposite where they were like we would love to have you like you would be so good for the team the girls would love you it, it felt just more inviting and I think that that ultimately also helped me make my decision yeah well I definitely didn't have the grades uh to get into any Ivy League schools but that's neither here nor there um we both land at UMass Lowell at the same time, same freshman class. Uh, but you and I had very different experiences, specifically focusing on that first year. You were essentially thrown into the starting role right away, but didn't really have a goalkeeper coach like we did. How did you do your best to overcome that? Because especially with making that first jump to college soccer, a coach is, is kind of pivotal in shepherding you from high school soccer to Division One college soccer. Yeah, it was an interesting experience. I was completely and totally thrown into it, um, which, you know, confidence-wise is not great. Um, But it did give me experience, which was great. Um, We did have a goalkeeper coach on staff. He was a great guy. Um, But the coach that we had at the time was pretty controversial, (laughs) Uh, a little out there. And I don't think any decisions – came from anyone else but him so it felt as though like our goalkeeper coach really had no power over the position or you know anything um but I would say that you know it was tough my freshman year we weren't very good (laughs) uh we weren't playing very good and um I was getting scored on like a lot so that was (laughs) that was tough but it does give you experience you know like I've been in those positions before And I've been in positions where, you know, I am letting in a lot of goals. So it gives you experience to kind of move forward. And, and, you know, you can take that feeling in in certain situations and really, you know, build upon that. So that was like a huge positive. Yeah, I mean, you just just talked about it. And for goalkeepers out there that are, you know, are struggling to to build that confidence or playing for teams that aren't fantastic but want to develop – you, I mean, you're going to lose games as a goalkeeper. You're going to let it, You're going to have games where you're letting a lot of goals, maybe four or five, even six, upwards of that. I know I certainly have. But for you, I mean, what's the key to not only keeping your confidence high, but staying motivated and keeping that belief? So I just loved playing soccer. Like, like I don't know exactly when that came about. Maybe that camp that I went to that we spoke about earlier But it was just, like, I loved playing soccer. Like, I loved being in the goal. I loved, like, blocking out on the field and being, like, well, that was, like, so fun. Like, that was so dope. Like, whatever. Um, And I was very competitive, but solely with myself. Like, I would be, like, okay, I don't care how anybody else does anywhere else. I just want to be better than I was the day before, the practice before, whatever. So that really helped me going forward because, like, even if it was a bad game and we lost like 4-1 or something, it was like, okay, like I'm not going to let in four goals for the rest of the season. Like I'm going to do my best. Like it was, I was very internally motivated, like against myself, you could say. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think one thing for, for young goalkeepers out there, when, when you have those games where you let in four plus goals, the, the mantra for any goalkeepers just have a short memory. You can't, dwell on it you can you can look back after it after the game if there's film take a look see what you did wrong but in game it's on it's just on to the next play and hoping that your forwards 
you know, give you a little cushion and get you back into this game. Because say you let in two goals in that first half and you dwell on it, you're not going to play. I can promise you, you're not going to play well for the rest of the game. But if you have belief and you let those, you, you, you block those two goals from your memory for the rest of the game. And all of a sudden you're back into it two two. Now you, now you have to give your team a chance to win. Right. So moving forward a little bit, you go through a coaching change uh, your junior year, which is hard for a lot of players because all of a sudden you have this new person who you may or may not know who is completely taking over the controls of everything that you do. And by the way, that's not exactly an exaggeration because in college sports, take the soccer out of it for a second. College coaches really do have a surprising amount of control over what you do uh, from Monday through Friday. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what what was that experience like for you with that new coach for the first time? Right. So our first coach that eventually ended up leaving, like our team was like instrumental in getting him out. Um, he was just really not even just soccer wise, but just like like you said, everything else that they control, like um, academics and, and stuff like that. It was just really for an overwhelming amount of the team not good for them it wasn't a good environment it wasn't a healthy environment to be a student and whatnot so our team actually was like massively instrumental (laughs) in having him leave um so that was like a win at first for everybody but you know it's never easy when someone steps in even if you know it's the best thing for the program and whatnot it was definitely tough um for me personally it went uh Frankie ended up coming in and he was I think your guys' assistant coach at the time. Yes he was. So we knew him at least and he also like played technical soccer so I could kind of rely on you know all that stuff that I had learned in club soccer I was back in more of my element. Um so I was pretty pretty excited about that but that being said you know we've had we had a handful of girls that, you know, were great athletes and really relied on that in, in their play. And he didn't, he wasn't interested in athletes solely. Like he really wanted to play technical soccer. So there was quite a bit of rearrangement of our team and team culture and all of that stuff. So um, it was definitely <laughs> uh, different, but I think it was definitely the right move for that program. So. And how did you sort of move forward with that as a technical goalkeeper yourself? So um, I had talked about it in the notes that I sent you. I felt like I was a very technical goalkeeper after spending four years of at um, Stars and getting consistent two, three times a week goalkeeping training. Um, and I felt like I really, in order to step into the role, I really had to abandon <laughs> a lot of my like technicality. Um, because I just needed to be athletic. I needed to be powerful and I just needed to make it like, make it work, make saves, make it happen. You know, I didn't have the training that can fix my elbows (laughs) and I didn't have the time to go find it either. So it was like, make do with what you had. So I think at that point I was much more of an athletic goalkeeper than I had ever seen myself being, but I had stepped into that. So with, you know, Frankie coming in, I had the opportunity to kind of lean a little bit more into like my technical side and start and start playing with my feet again. Um, And I think that really helped me complete like my goal, myself as a goalkeeper. I kind of leaned more back into my technicality and now I was more athletic than I ever used to be and had a little bit of that technicality back. So it definitely made me step into the role and feel a lot more confident in myself. It's funny. I do remember, um, 
Coach Frankie's first year with you guys, the first couple games we watched with, you know, as, cause as the men's team, we would come and watch and support you guys all the time. And I remember we all thought at the exact same time, we're like, we, we looked at each other and we said, kind of looks like, kind of looks like our game out there. <laughs> very, <really> very, <laughs> very technical playing through the back, playing through the goalkeeper for, for 90 plus minutes. We looked at each other. We're like, that's yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so leading up to your junior year, and I actually vividly remember you talking uh, talking to me back then about what you were going through physically, uh, but you ended up having surgery on both of your legs. If you could, just describe for everyone who's listening what it was that you were enduring. Yeah, so my junior year was really uh, tough for me, like physically. So I had been voted captain, and I felt like a really like immense responsibility with that. Um, I think I always kind of felt like that, like a captain anyways, just literally because of how much goalkeepers talk. <laughs> it didn't really matter the title, but once I had it, like I really wanted, you know, to take that role on and be a leader. Um, so for me, that meant, you know, passing all of our fitness tests and, and playing and doing all my homework and like being an all around like role model. Um, I took that really seriously and my junior year, like I started doing a lot more running because um, we had the same track fitness test and we all know it's death. Um, so I started training outside of what I would usually train in for goalkeeping. Um, and I started getting like what I would describe as like shin splints symptoms. And it was just like really painful. My legs would get like rock hard. I kept rolling my ankles. I couldn't feel anything below my knees. And it was just people just kept telling me that I had shin splints. Like, you have shin splints, you have shin splints. Um, and I had played the entire season with these shin splints. Um, and then I had, like, separated my shoulder in a game in which I still played. So once the end of that season came, which ironically was probably the best of my entire career, um, I, like, took a couple weeks and I went – to uh, children's and found out that I had compartment syndrome, which um, it's called exertional compartment syndrome. And they don't really know why it happens. They think it could just be the way that um, if you put on a lot of muscle at once, which, you know, I did when I became more athletic um, and just like how your body was built in general. And it is like a buildup of pressure in your legs Um and if it gets too high, you can, like, cut off nerves and lose blood flow and stuff like that. So I had to go get my pressure checked. And I remember them telling me that it was, like, five or six times higher than it ever should be um, and that I would need surgery to fix it. And I was pretty upset. <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden, on top of that, the second coach that you've had in three years, Frankie Leaves... Yeah, And he's replaced by one of your assistant coaches. At this point, this is also the longest you've been out of soccer with, you know, post-surgery. And on top of that, you know, you, you're, you're, you've recovered from your surgery at this point. On top of that, first game back, you pull your quad. Yeah. In the first game of the season. So what was that? What was just all of that? What was that like for you? And what was the mental process like recovering from that? Because that could not have been easy. Yeah, so my surgery went really well. Um, I had like severe bruising and swelling after just because of how high the pressures ended up building to. Um, and, you know, I was back at school 
I had, I still had to get to classes. Like I would try to get rides when I could. I'm like on crutches because I got both legs done at once. And it was just really hard to keep the swelling down. And eventually a couple of the incisions actually burst open a couple weeks after the stitches were taken out and got infected. So that slowed me down um, a little bit. Um, And then once I fully recovered, it was like night and day. Like I could feel my ankles again. I could hit a ball right where I wanted to again. And I could, you know, run without having to stop. So that was great. And then I pulled my quad and it had been so long since I had had a muscle injury like that. I had dislocated my shoulder and popped it back in and played. (laughs) I had this, um, this leg situation and played an entire season. And it was just, I remember being like, Oh, I pulled my quad. It's fine. Like I'm going to play right. Like I'm going to play like whatever, just another knock. And I remember like just trying to hit a goal kick and I was like, Holy shit. I can't play because I can't distribute out of the back. So that was tough. And I thought I would sit one game and I would play again. And my coaches and my trainers were like, no. Um, So I ended up like the first four or five games of the season. I can't remember specifically, but I ended up like being out for most of it. And I was like pretty devastated because all I wanted to do was like get back and get my consistency again. And it just felt like another hurdle. Um, So it was tough. Yeah, it is funny. I mean, I've, you know, every goalkeeper, we, you could sit down, we could sit down in a circle and be like, yeah, I've broken my fingers, played through it, dislocated some stuff, broke a toe, separated a shoulder, uh, bone bruise on my hip, played through it. And the second anyone's like, yeah, I pulled my calf, I was done for the year. And it's any, anytime you get to, to the, those tendons and, and, and those big muscles, especially that we're so reliant on like our quads, it's just a whole, it's a whole new universe. Right. And I'm like sitting there thinking like, oh, like, it probably would have been fine if we didn't play the way we played. (laughs) Like I could have just like thrown it out a couple of times, like whatever. But it's like when you're, like you said, so involved in playing out of the back and hitting the channels and all that, like I needed to be able to hit a 45, 50 yard ball. Like, and if I can't, I can't play there. So it was tough for me. I was like, wow, I thought I could play through everything, you know? And for those of you who have never seen Julia play or kick or punt a ball, um, she can punt a ball further than a lot of the guys that I've played with. And it's pretty incredible to watch. So just, just keep that in your mind. She's really pounding the ball later that year, later that season, you, 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 you get back to hundred percent or at least close to hundred percent. Right. Uh, it was the first year you guys ever qualified for the America East playoffs. And you won that first round in, in, in penalty kicks, which I remember very vividly and I'm getting excited just bringing it up. Um, <laughs> but what, what did that do for the squad in terms of building belief that this program was growing and is capable of making it far? Yeah, no, that was great. That was a great night. That's probably one that most of us will remember for a long time. Um, it was freezing out and we killed them. Like we killed this team. I think it was like 33 shots to two at the end of the game. And they had like a freshman or a sophomore goalkeeper in at the time. Um, Vermont did. And I don't know what they gave her before the game, but she was on fire. Like, she was robbing us left and right. So I essentially, in typical, like, stereotypical goalkeeper fashion, stood in 20-degree weather the entirety of the game until we eventually tie in double overtime and have to go to PKs. And I remember Mira walking down and being like, you good? Like, you ready? And I'm in my head. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. It's 22 degrees outside, and I haven't moved in 
20 minutes. Like, like, what do you mean? Am I ready? But obviously, like, without even thinking, you're like, yeah, of course I'm ready. Um, so, yeah, it was great. I had a lot of um, confidence in my teammates. You know, we had Kate Vieira and Rachel Moria and stuff taking PKs, which both of them can pretty much do it in their sleep. Um, so I was pretty confident in our team. Um, I was definitely nervous. Um, I've heard you talk about PKs in this podcast before, and I definitely don't, don't subscribe to, to some of your methods. <laughs> you don't like it? You don't like, I, I, I don't know. I, I loved, I loved trying to get in forwards heads. I was never active really on, on the goal line, but just, just look others. I was, I was either staring down the forward or moving, right. you know, just bothering him as much as possible just to get him out of a rhythm. I think that this like had to do with how I was always competing in myself is like, I never wanted to like taunt somebody or like do something and then get squirt on to me. That was like a sin. I don't know. It just felt like I was like setting myself up to be like, you know, tooled on. So what I would do is I would just grab the ball and I would just place it on the line because they would have to fix it and they'd be so annoyed. So that's what I would do. I would just walk up to the PK spot, drop the ball there and go back to my line and um I never guessed ever just I didn't like diving the wrong way and having it roll down the middle um so I just kind of did my thing and got lucky (laughs) it's funny I mean I I for me I was I was towing the line of taunting I wasn't like I was doing my best to not taunt but still bug the hell out of them you know right um, just so just anything that I could throw them off and still sort of have, give myself a chance in that way. But moving forward to your senior year, you guys make it all the way to the American East championship game, but you end up coming short, uh, against Albany. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you talked to me before about this, you still described it as a storybook ending. What, why yeah, is that? It was definitely a storybook ending, like for my senior year, because we never had extra soccer. You know, like the season would be over at the last game of the season. My junior year, which was, like I said, what I think was one of the best years of my career. um, We had to just tie and we lost the last game on a PK in like the 89th minute. So, you know, our season ended pretty crappily the year before. So for me, just like any extra soccer game was like, like, it was just the best thing ever to have those three extra games. And I think that when you have a career um, in a program that's growing and like really not having a lot of winning seasons and a lot of like those notches under your belt, just to have extra soccer for me was just like as good as it could have gotten. It was like a gift. <laughs> so it was definitely, you know, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. I remember all of us because unfortunately it was, it was at Albany. I think you guys actually had the track team there because they were there for a meet. Mm-hmm. um in support but all of us all the entire athletic department was watching and just rooting for you guys to to get to bring that home and it was um it was obviously disappointing but it was it was still really cool to see you guys there mm-hmm. um you mentioned beforehand and we've talked about it briefly but that season in particular was a little bit difficult for you on a personal level and we why was that and and how was soccer sort of a savior for you there yeah so i um like i have mentioned earlier am super competitive with myself so when i was coming back i still didn't feel 
like the entirety of that season, really my senior season, like I matched the consistency and level that I had left off in my junior year. Not to say that I didn't play like really well and I didn't have really good games, but even just in my training and stuff like that, like I never felt frantic in my goal mouth before. And there's just certain situations that I might've felt that way. And that was uncomfortable for me because like our team was doing pretty well towards the end of the season. Like I was so happy, but it was so bittersweet because I felt like on a personal level, like between me and myself, I could have been more consistent. I could have been better. Um, Stony Brook was like a great game for our team. And that was a great game for me personally. I felt back in my own like role of things again. Um, I wish I could play that game over and over again. <laughs> Um, and I also just had a lot of personal stuff um, going on. I was in the middle of a pretty abusive relationship um, that I had a really hard time getting out of. I needed a lot of help um, from, you know, some some stuff at school. So it was really tough because this was like my outlet in everything that I did. And I was a little bit frustrated that I didn't have the peace of mind to feel like I was doing as good as I left off my junior year and I was frustrated that it was like almost ending. I was like panicked because I was like, this is, you know, my out to everything. Like this is like my identity, my happiness, like where I feel the best. And I was just like playing for my life. I felt like half the time. And that's, I think something that gets lost from a lot of people on the outside looking in is that when you're watching a game, you're seeing a, 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 a tiny percentage of what's going on. Um, in our lives you know that moment yes we're, we're student athletes yes we're goalkeepers yes we you know we might have made a mistake but a lot of that that what you see on the field we're tuning out a lot of almost everything that's happening in the rest of our life um, and that's where that mental aspect as, as, as an athlete and a student athlete in particular you really have to be you have to either tune out everything or you have to rely on everyone around you Right, exactly. And for me, it was always tuning everything out. It was like the one time of my day or my week or whatever it might have been that, like I said, I get to like just like black out on the soccer field and make a bunch of dope saves. And you know what I mean? And get that like adrenaline rush of like, this is like, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, this is dope. Like, this is so fun. Um, so I definitely that's why I said that it was really genuinely a storybook ending because like those three extra games to me were like, a gift you know yeah and anybody anybody who knows all the goalkeepers out there we all know we're just in it because it is dope it's fun yeah um, exactly. <laughs> i want to steer just finally i want to steer the conversation towards women's soccer in general because especially over the last 10 plus years and you sort of mentioned it the focus and spotlight surrounding women's soccer has grown exponentially i mean we're starting to see more and more coverage surrounding the nwsl and we're seeing more women's national team players head to play in England for major clubs like Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham. How does that help grow the game for young girls and young women across the U.S.? Yeah, I think it's like exponential. Like you can't beat it. I think that, you know, growing up with that World Cup team and, and that Olympic team that just kept winning, it like makes you feel like, you know, it's possible, right? So I think the opportunity for females to be able to watch women's soccer too. And I feel like when I was young, you know, it might not have been the best soccer, but it's definitely, you know, growing leaps and bounds. And now we had like the 
England League, like you were saying, so you can like watch what like the men's like, oh, I'm watching Manchester United, and you can be like, yeah, me too, but like the women's version, you know. Um, and I also just think like growing awareness for like division one and having little girls. I remember we used to have like little girls teams or stuff come and they literally thought that we were superheroes. And I'm like laughing. Cause I'm like, we just lost through nothing. Like I just let in three goals and this girl wants my autograph, <laughs> but it's just like how excited they are. I think that's everything. Like you, I think sports for women is like instrumental, whether it's soccer or not soccer, but seeing women have like pride and success in something that doesn't have to do with their looks, I think is absolutely necessary for all girls growing up. Um, and I think that, you know, that U.S. team really started the ball rolling for, like, strong, independent women. So that was really great. I, I couldn't have thought of a perfect way to, to end the podcast. Julia, it's, it's, it's been and it's always great talking to you, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Yeah, Carter, thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Guys, this has been another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I've been your host, Carter Hawkman. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just for Keeps. 